Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, everyone from all over the world. How's it going? Uh, welcome to the TSMU Q&A series. My name is Ben. I am the community manager at Lenovo for Lenovo Legion in North America. Uh, and I am here today with Rissa Chung joining for the first time. Rissa, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being here. It's my second time hosting, so excited to have some more cool people join the show. Uh, so for this Q&A, guys, we'll be pulling questions from the Discord for TSMU. So if you have a question for Ressa, just head over to discord.gg slash TSMU. I think the link is in the chat right now, if you just click on that. And you can ask your questions in the Q&A channel in that Discord, and we'll pull from there throughout the show. Uh, so while people are getting their questions in for right now, though, Rissa, do you mind just doing a quick intro about yourself for everyone watching and kind of what your role is? Yeah, for sure. So my current title is Senior Manager of Media Initiatives. I know it's a bit of a mouthful. Um, my previous title was Project Manager of Giant Slayer TFT. So in the previous role, I basically co-founded a brand called Giant Slayer TFT um, that one thing led to another with a lot of tournaments and a new auto chess genre. And before we know it, we started a lot of partnership and actually doing the official NA competitive scene for Riot Games. Um, so that has been a very surreal journey for the last couple of years. And uh, recently, I got this new job title of Senior Manager of Media Initiatives, which basically I'm doing similar things, but throughout all our brands in the company and not just Giant Slayer TFT. So that has been really exciting, just kind of expanding, not just from a game I love, but then now into all the games I love and uh, kind of just being able to talk about that with everyone else in the company. Awesome. I'm a huge Riot fan, so <laughs> I'm a big fan of everything that you're doing, especially with TFT as well. Uh, I think the questions are starting to roll in now. So uh, just again, so people know what my role is too as well. Um, I am the community manager at Legion, so I, I'm the one who's uploading content and managing the .com community for Lenovo. Uh, and I do a lot of interviews and stuff like this, so excited to be on with Rissa today uh, to talk through some of the questions. So we have some questions rolling in already, I think. The first one is from Caitlin. Uh, Caitlin asks, uh, studying bait and HR covers a large section of interest in the business industry. What skills did you learn in college that are most useful in your day-to-day -day at your role? Your thoughts on that first part? Yeah, so to clarify a little bit for those who is confused of like studying in bait, what, what does that mean? Me. <laughs> She's just baiting people. <laughs> like, um, so <laughs> bait is business analytics and information technology and HR is human resource. Um, so with that said, another long mouthful, I basically was just like, what would get me a decent successful career path? I had no specific passion. It was just like business. I'll do something that will get me a business job of some type, right? <laughs> Um, so I went for those two degrees and I have to say that, although obviously I did learn things from these degrees, I would say these skill sets are not the core that is driving me into what my position is today. Human resource taught me people skills, which is great. Um, beta and the analytical mindset uh, definitely was helpful, but I definitely do not touch anything coding related anymore from that. <laughs> so the IT stuff, you can kind of just leave that section away. Um, I think from college, what was the most useful is just that independency and finding some type of purpose to be able to focus on. Um, so granted, uh, in school, I was not the most uh, 
great in attending to all my classes. However, there were certain goals that I would like to tackle of like, hey, this is something I still need to achieve. How can I go about the way and achieving it and making sure if I'm not attending my classes, what am I still doing to setting myself for success? So at those times, I would pursue like internships, or I would make sure I'm still studying on my own, but and attending at least the classes where there's exams, right? And just kind of like that time management and uh, being able to kind of like uh, manage my own schedule in that way of things that I do enjoy doing that is still productive. And also <laughs> if I am putting away other items. So I think that skill set of just being independent in college is what uh, is most useful for my day to day job now because of the fact mm -hmm. that I am organizing a bunch of stuff and making sure that I do have to prioritize like what is crucial in making something successful versus these are some items that you can wait until later on to tackle. And I think that's a skill set that is something that college really did help me for. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense just the independence piece that you learn going to college. But I felt that as well. Uh, there was a second part to Caitlin's question, which was, what did you end up learning on a job that you wish you knew earlier? So maybe that you hadn't learned from college that you learned on the job. Thoughts on that? Everything and nothing at the same time, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> the one thing I love about this job is the fact that I've learned so many new things. Um, I have to say that compared to a lot of my colleagues, I was fairly new to the esports scene. I come from a more traditional business background. Obviously, I love playing League of Legends and a lot of video games when I was younger. But in terms of at least the esports scene, I was not like caught up on all the top pro players and how the, like all the competitive circuits worked. So when I first joined TFT, which granted, it was a very new game. So I didn't need to go in with the fact of needing to study all the scenes because I was there at the start of the scene. Um, <laughs> and being able to learn all about the game has been amazing. I do wish to some degree now that I am working on all these other brands that uh, it is a lot to catch up on, on the history of games that have been here for years and years. Um, that I do think there is a little bit of a learning curve because I really like to dive deep down into a community and really understand like what are the strengths of it and what are things that people are looking to improve within the scene. So I think that that is something that would be helpful prior to um, this position. However, at the same time, I have my colleagues who are like the knowledgeable people that I can rely on and they do teach me and it's also such a fun experience. So. Hopefully that's not too much of a cop-out answer that is nothing and everything at the same time, but I would lean towards that esports knowledge for sure. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense when you consider all the different games that are involved and how long some of them have been going now. One of them really has been going especially. Um, so, I mean, it makes sense that, that you can't learn all that stuff ahead of time probably in addition to all the actual job responsibilities that you have to learn as well. So I think that makes perfect sense for sure. Uh, yeah. Next question. Sorry, go ahead. You have thoughts on that? Oh, no, no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So the next question is also from Caitlin, who asked, uh, what made you want to pursue the business of esports in your career versus more established paths, maybe like business, like you were talking about? Thoughts on that one? Yeah, so I definitely went for the more established paths when I came out of college. I mean, I love gaming, but uh, it's such a, it's a world that a lot of people I feel like in college are confused about how was the right path right to get into esports. And so that wasn't my first step in of like, oh, I'm just going to pursue gaming. What occurred was I produced, I went for a very traditional path. I did pick up streaming as a side hobby. And then I fell in love with Teamfight Tactics as a game, really grinded that game to like the challenger level and started competing in only one major tournament that I went in. Um, it was Twitch Rivals in San Diego, which was one of the first 
team fight tactics tournament there ever was and miraculously made it to the finals and that was kind of where that career in esports started it was definitely just a for fun thing i did because i was still working a a human resource job at that time actually as a business analyst and i was just like oh i really like this game oh they're doing a tournament let me sign up for it i'm not gonna make it in oh before i know i'm in san diego you know like playing the finals and then I got reached out to to write maybe some scripts uh, to talk about like guides and whatnot. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a fun side hobby. And uh, before I knew it, I definitely was not having the most joy in my life working my traditional nine to five job and uh, mm-hmm. doing Excel sheets over and over again. <laughs> and it got very monot- uh, a bit boring for me, to be frank. And I thought I just, you know, take off for a year. I'm going to just really pursue teamfight tactics as a genre of game that I want to stream and see where it goes after a year. I, I, I just want to see that what if I just pursue something I loved. And at that time, writing scripts and has gave me a decent amount of income for guides. Um, and that role also ended up being a project manager role because I ended up taking over one of the company's YouTube channel and not the current company I'm working for to grow a TFT brand um and content and write scripts for those videos that channel unfortunately at some point it grew successfully but the company decided that team fight tactics was not worth investing in at that time so it was such a new mm. game and so i was really sad about it and i posted about it and i got picked up by a manager over at wisdom gaming and was just like I've been watching her for a while and following her journey like she just started and tft gr- grinded her way and then she's just are doing scripts and whatnot, I want her. And <laughs> so I came over to Wisdom Gaming first as a content creator, then as a content manager, and then as a project manager. And then here I am now. And yeah, sorry if I went on a little bit of a tangent there. But no. <laughs> overall, I didn't actively pursue esports as my career. It was just the fact that, and I went for established paths. It was simply just, I was not happy doing what I was doing. I took a risk of dropping everything. And I started Mm. off very small with just writing roles. And that one thing led to another. And before I knew it, here I am. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome to hear the whole story of that. Because I think there's probably a lot of people in the same situation who want to pursue something like that, but would have to take a risk to do it. But it sounds like you had sort of a calculated risk and at least some experience there. I kind of have a question of my own to tangent here a little bit. Because you were very involved in, you know, you were at sort of the professional level, essentially, with the game before you got to the position you're in now, at least playing some tournaments and hitting challenger, things like that. Do you feel like that was pretty crucial to ending up where you're at? Like, do you think having that level of expertise was really important to end up here? Um, I do think so. I think that is really the starting point of why there was even any attention to me. Um, mm. I think without my level of knowledge of that scene, who am I then, right? I'm, I'll just be a human resource business analyst who has not done anything esports related. Um, so with that said, I think Teamfight Tactics at that time had a lot of potential being um, a game that came out right after Auto Chess, with, which had its like, very large success as well. Mm-hmm. And so when Teamfight Tactics come out, there was definitely a lot of companies eyeing it but there's really no one to go to, right? Like there's potential folks, but it's kind of like tricky. And so I think I did capitalize a little bit on that scenario. I took whatever position there were. I know recently too, a lot of folks asked me like, I want to get become a producer, for example. 
where can I start? And uh, sometimes it's really starting on a job that may not be completely producing related because um, I know there's been struggles of like, I can't get a producer job. I applied to 10 producers job, but uh, I have zero producing experience. So I haven't gotten any of them. And it's like, well, okay, start from the scene. What have you done in the scene? And before you know it, esports is so versatile that sometimes you might end up doing producing related tasks without having that full position. And then you can use that and be like, all right, I don't have the job title, but I have experience. <laughs> and that's kind of what I did with YouTube. I was like, I technically was a producer for that YouTube channel because I had to think of scripts and how that video would play out, even though I was the project manager of it. That's a leading way of like kind of slowly getting into it. So as you mentioned, like kind of calculated risk. Don't mm -hmm. just throw it all away and say, I'm a bank to get a full-time job at this big company and just call <laughs> it. Um, see what you can, take a little steps at a time and take whatever opportunity um, they're able to get that, of course, you still enjoy. And I think that that is how at least I grew to be here. Gotcha. Now, it makes a lot of sense. And actually, the second part of Caitlin's question was what gave you the courage to go through with that risk, which you kind of just described of having that plan there. So I think it can be really tough to make that leap, right? If you're in that position of knowing that mm -hmm. you really want to try this thing, but it may or may not work out. I mean, do you feel like you were at a good time in life to try that kind of thing just in case it didn't work out? Or are you pretty set on just making the jump and making it work no matter what? Yeah, I think that's honestly what the degrees I had was for is that these were my safe plate of like, hey, I could get some type of job because I have these two degrees. So there's definitely that fallback plan that I can always go and pick up another HR job mm -hmm. and, and go from there. However, it's just not what I truly like to do. Um, so yeah, that one year is a risk for sure, but uh, there definitely was a fallback plan for me to go to um, in case there were um, anything that didn't work out. Gotcha. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to have that lined up too. Uh, Question number three comes from Maggie, who asks, how did you enter the esports field? And what were some key things that led you to where you are now? Which you kind of touched on a little bit, but uh, maybe like esports specifically, how you ended up there versus just gaming. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, for sure. So it was when I was joining as a content creator for Wisdom Gaming. At that time, um, there was a tournament that we still hosted to stay. It was Fight Night. Um, and that is just like a very a weekly small tournament of just eight players that would have fun, right, and compete. And that was actually another tournament I joined as how I met the manager of that company is because she invited me to play into one of them, which I went one 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 eighth, <laughs> and then I got second place. So still bummed out on those that <laughs> for that second place. Um, however, to stop going on my tangents there though. Um, essentially, I saw that there was a huge demand for tournaments. Back in set two, that was when I joined the company. There's been maybe a couple of invitationals here and there. So just like one big event, but there's no actual compare circuit or focusing on these players that are like masters, challengers, right? There's no reward for them at that time to climb and dedicate themselves so much into the game. And so... I happened to be in a Challengers Discord at that time, and still am, where I see all these complaints from these like high-level players, streamers, that was just like, we want tournaments, <laughs> like give us tournaments. And so seeing how the company does have the capability to run at least small tournaments, I was just like, hey, I want to do something for the end of set two. Like, the folks have been begging and asking for it. Like, I really 
feel like this is what they need. And I shared the same experience, even though I was very new to esports and only played in one or two tournaments myself. I was just like that. Uh, that motivation is there and we want to compete. So I, I begged the company and we're a very small team at that time compared to now of only like three to five people working on projects. Oh, wow. And uh, I was just like, I will do everything. I'll think of a format. I'll invite the players. I'll invite the casters. Just let me do this thing. Just give me a graphics package and a director. And they did. They were just like, we love your passion. You know what? Let's make this happen. So got an awesome graphics package, got an awesome director on board. And I reached out to actually the developer, um, Workdog. And I was just like really nervous too, because it's my first time actually networking <laughs> with uh, with devs and players. I was just like, hey, you guys, like one more, would you be willing to cast for us? And then, hey, players, streamers, I saw that you guys wanted this thing. I can pull in maybe a thousand or two thousand and make this tournament happen. Would you guys be interested? And they were so, so supportive. Mordog immediately said yes, which I was really surprised about. A lot of the big players to this day uh, also was really hype about tournament, talking about it. I know like Soju, he flaked on me actually the day right before, but he <laughs> he's placed in our current tournament, but he was in that uh, he was signed up for that tournament along with many others uh, that also competed in it. And mm -hmm. it was called the Setsu Finale. It was a very big success. They even recorded videos for us to promote to everyone. It was such a commutative collab that I never expected. It's still my favorite project to this day. So I would say what made me get into esports specifically was that I saw there was a demand and I listened to the community and I basically supplied it to whatever I was capable of doing. And honestly, you're showing respect and that you care. You'll be surprised of how much that passion does go through and also the response that you might be able to get. Yeah, I, I love that whole story because it's just listening to what people want basically and creating a solution for it, which I feel like is such a great way to do anything in business, but especially in gaming, like if there's needs out there from communities that aren't being met and you can create that solution for people, then that's a great way to automatically have people interested in what you're doing. So really cool to hear that. And it makes sense why you ended up in esports after that too. <laughs> Uh, next question is back to Caitlin, who asks, uh, incredible work on Giant Slayer TFT thus far. How did you identify the key opportunities that led to the brand's current success? And what do you think is next for Giant Slayer TFT and the scene overall for TFT? So kind of like two and a half questions in there. Uh, how did you basically first identify how the brand got to where it is today? Like ways to get there, I guess, of success stories. Yeah, so honestly, I was never a big fan of social media prior to this role a few years ago, but it is important. And so I would say like Twitter, Reddit, uh, that Discord server that I was in, Player Stream, these are all really great research materials. And you can really hear the voices of players through those mediums that you might not always get if you just Google, right? If you Google like, how do players feel about TFT? You might get maybe one article by this like random person who just is a gold player that just, you know, yep. I'm sure there's like some backing to it, but like what that article is really hard to define and give you that uh, kind of like in-depth insight that you can get by actually researching all these names. And then also speaking with them directly, very nerve wracking to do. But after, for example, Setsu Finale, first thing I did was, would you guys all be willing to hop into a call with me and give me feedback? Um, 
And they did. And this is something that they still do to this day, that after some big tournaments I have, I'll go into a random voice call. And before I know it, 10, 20 people pop up. And I'm just like, oh, wow, okay. Uh, <laughs> tell me the things that went well and tell me all the things that did not go well. So I would say that is how I identify those key opportunities is research. Research is definitely the top thing that you should do. Um, so however ways or means you have to do that research, I would say try your best to learn the most you can. And as for what I think is next for Giant Slayer TFT and the scene overall, we just released our new competitive format for TFT uh, for set six. I would say there was definitely some really great feedback and also a very valid constructive criticisms too. I mean, this is for every set we definitely hear. Um, for the most part, I have heard that generally the perception is that we're going into the right path, but there are definitely still elements that I, I do want to tighten up and make sure that we get TFT to that uh, perfect, I say perfect, but at least near perfect state that we are rewarding the players for what they deserve for their effort and also choosing the best players and to go to the world championship and really make the event grander and grander every single year. Um, so I think next for Giants Slayer Tier 1 is to have an amazing set 6 competitive scene. We have lots of tournaments coming up that I can't not wait since this is one Everyone says this every single set, but I do believe it that this is one of the best sets of TFT ever. <laughs> <That's> and... <laughs> every set they say that. But... Yeah. <laughs> uh, so obviously to have a great um, set and also to continuously, hopefully uh, with Riot, every single set to continue to improve that as well. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff there. I love the research piece of how that was one of the key success things for you was actually getting direct feedback from the players and from either in the tournament or just in general for TFT um, versus just going and Googling a research article, like you said, from some random news site. Because uh, you can never really be direct feedback from people and taking the time to actually hop into Discord calls and get really actual straight from the mouth feedback uh, is, is a really cool way to do that. It might not be scalable for everybody probably down the line, but I think especially when you're starting out like that, it's such a good way to get direct feedback. So that's a really cool story to share. Uh, I did want to share really quickly, guys, for everyone watching, if you want to ask a question, just a reminder, you can do that in the Discord of TSMU. Uh, it's about 20 minutes in here. So if you want to get your question, make sure you do that quickly so that we have time to get to it throughout the show today. And thanks for everyone who submitted questions so far. We do appreciate that. Uh, next question is from Maggie, who says, how can others who are about to graduate slash fresh graduates start towards their own esports careers? So any advice for college grads or upcoming grads? Yeah, so I would say look around your area. So a lot of times with esports, there's definitely openings that I see as either internship or even as like a coordinator for a smaller role. I would say that, uh, I mean, it depends on your background too. Obviously, if you already have a lot of work experience and knowledge, then don't downplay yourself and shoot for those like big roles as well. But if you do see yourself like struggling, then take on the smaller roles, take on any part-time roles as well that you can see and just grow from there. I think esports definitely takes on a more non-traditional path in getting into compared to some of the other scenes I, I've seen where it's just very direct, where every company, there's definitely a, a HR department, for example, right? And that one is more universal and easy to kind of job hunt versus with esports, it is more of a specific department and also, find a couple of games that you really enjoy that has a 
decent backing around it. Like, I'm not saying to find a solo player's like story game that there's no <laughs> tournaments or competitive at all with, but uh, do some research on that sense. And um, I think that could really show your expertise. One thing I look for, I've been doing a lot of interviews is passion in the scene and also knowledge. So one, if you show me that you really enjoy being here and this is a job you want, that, that speaks so much for me, that I love ambition and I like the fact that you want this job. Uh, rather than someone just like, oh, I don't really care, it'll be nice, then there's a big difference <laughs> there. And then when you tell me about your research and all the information you know about something, that impresses like me definitely a lot where I know now that you're someone who it's not just passion. It's not just words. You actually do take the time to show proof that uh, you are someone that is worth investing in ourselves. So I think that those two elements there are probably the most crucial for me is that passion and also knowledge um, and taking those like smaller roles potentially or just aiming high, but also doing as much prep where you can to aim for that high position. Yeah, I mean, basically, that's what you did from what I'm hearing is having the passion to kind of do your own stuff as well. Uh, and experience, sorry, experience in the game uh, with the competitive scene, because you're also out there doing things like your own stream and helping write scripts. So I think the content piece sounds like it was pretty important. And that's something that people can definitely do. It's interesting to me that you were doing content and maybe like not a content role uh, completely now and how that's still been helpful to where you are now. I mean, do you think creating your own content and events like that can kind of translate anywhere in esports at some level? Yeah, for sure. I think that for the short period of time that I was a content creator and streamer, I was able to learn about the scene, really, since most of the players I work with are streamers themselves, and the streaming culture is really important to them. So I think that having that streaming knowledge, at least minimally, that I know the grind with it. I there's not that superficial point of view where it's just like, oh, we're streaming. You're just getting on camera and you're talking, right? It's easy. <laughs> it's not much, right? And also like the mentality too that people don't understand sometimes when you're competing and also streaming at the same time, sometimes it does affect you, right? And these are a lot of elements that being in the situation myself, although nowhere near that their level, I'm able to at least sympathize with it. And also because I was a content creator, I, I began to understand the value of social media. Uh, I definitely would not have gotten this job if I didn't have a Twitter because Twitter was what people saw my post about me being sad of this YouTube channel not being able to happen. And then someone else is like, well, then do my YouTube channel, right? <laughs> if I just said that out loud to a friend in a Discord DM, no one's going to know about that, right? So. Twitter is a great meme to kind of promote yourself to some degree. Um, when I say self-promotion, though, yeah, Twitter and not on someone else's Twitch page or, <laughs> or whatnot. Just want to make that one clear because I've heard some misconceptions in the past. Um, and I think just trying to develop some type of following and that network is really helpful. Yeah, I think it's a great point, too, that understanding the culture for that is always helpful. Kind of like you just said about talking to the players of what they're experiencing going through it. It's just like the streaming portion. If you've been through it, you can kind of empathize with that. So I think that's a great skill set to learn anywhere in esports, really. Uh, next question is from, I'm gonna try to get this right, Shelly Tron, uh, who asked, how important slash impactful has networking been for your growth in esports? Specifically, 
cold contact with people and brands or even attempting to connect after only kind of coming into contact with them at events where you aren't directly their point of contact or interacting. So long question, but for networking, cold contact at events is what I'm hearing. Has that been pretty impactful for your kind of career in esports? 100%. I would say cold contacting is how I got started, to be honest. Um, granted, I was in this Discord server with all these players, streamers, and also Mortdog, but uh, I had no relationship with them. Like I was not like besties <laughs> with them. And even <laughs> my contribution to the group chat, I was fairly shy. So I was not very involved in these like heavy discussions. So yeah, everything from this career was cold contacting is how I grew this. Um, I think the way that you approach people are very important as well. Um, and that's a skill set from HR that really benefited me here that when I reach out to others, it's important to not do so with a very strong ulterior motive. <laughs> I think it's great to be yeah. upfront about it, but polite and also be completely okay with rejection. Um, that's something that is not just for esports, but anyone in general that I've seen is a struggle, uh, whereas sometimes people even reach out to me. I was just like, hey, can you please retweet this and, and do this when I don't know them at all, right? It's just like, can you please like, just teach me to organize my entire format for me for the CFT tournament and then also <laughs> do this? And I'm just like, I don't know you. <laughs> yeah, just charity case. That's, that's, that's a big ass versus, hold on, sorry, my cat. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, Whereas when someone does approach me of like, hey, I know you're busy. Um, I, this is what I'm doing. And I would love for at least some help with this degree if you have the time, but no worries if you can't. When I get that type of approach, I am much more open to assist, right? If I can. Um, so I say that cold contacting is really important. Honestly, all my friendship and relationship right now in the scene, I would say, if I had to put a number to it, 90% of it was cold contact. I did not know anyone. I was like, hi, hope you're doing well. This is a tournament that I'm hosting. These are the details. I would love for you to join, but if not, no worries. And also, if they don't respond, I also make sure I don't like bombard them again, like 30 minutes, an hour. And like, you know, like that secondary response, like, hey, hey, did you see this? <laughs> There's cold contact is great. But strategies for it is also very important as well. Are you speaking from experience? Do you get a lot of people who just pester? <laughs> hello, hello, or hey? One hundred percent. Like a three a.m. message, and then tomorrow morning, it's just like you didn't respond to <laughs> oh me. And I'm just like, well, I was asleep, and it was the weekend. However, so let me. I'll, I'll let me talk to you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. No, I mean that's a great question because it can be hard to do that, especially if uh, you're going to physical events and trying to do that, and. You're an introvert maybe by nature, trying to put yourself out there. So I think the tips that you have are good not to just be so transactional and just obviously want something from the other person and nothing back, uh, but trying to make it a nuanced way of doing that and respectful of their time too. So I think great tips for going about that. Uh, yeah, next like, question. Sorry, oh, sorry. anything else to add? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more of negotiation, if anything, right? <laughs> to like yeah. offer something to them. And if you have nothing to offer, be frank about it. Don't be like, uh, oh, well, like, uh, this is a really great event if you do it. Okay, what, uh, what's great about it, right? So that's just one thing that I do want to point out since it's not just my own personal experience, but I have heard a lot of complaints from other people about these situations. So I think yeah. it's just etiquette that 
is important to talk about. Yeah, especially if people are getting a lot of requests too, um, and not just seeming like one of the other requests that's coming in and making yourself stand out a little bit, I think mm -hmm. is a great point there too. Because especially for some bigger orgs, there's a lot of requests that come in like that. Uh, so you have to be careful about it. The next question is from Caitlin, who asks uh, or says, congratulations on your promotion to senior manager of media initiatives. Congrats also from me. Uh, what do you think differentiates you and your work style that allows you to see such growth in your career? Cool question. Anything that you think makes you stand out from other people in your space? Hmm. I think uh, two things. The one would be the HR background, the communication style. No matter how I talk, I try to be very... I try my best not to come off as aggressive ever. <laughs> so even uh, no matter who I'm talking to, right, uh, my talking style is to always make sure they are the most comfortable. And that is something that I have trained a lot for from the HR setting to make sure that no matter how upset someone might be, there's ways to phrase it so that you could come to a better conclusion. Um, the second thing would definitely be my ambition, I would say. Um, back when we only had a small team of two, three people, Yes, I was given a role of what I should be doing, and I am doing those things, but anything else I want, I made sure I put the effort to make it happen. It's not so much like, hey, I want this to happen, I want that to happen, and expecting freebies to some degree, or expecting my company or anyone else to just make things happen just because I gave a general idea of it. I think that the fact that I stepped in and went in to do a lot of the work for it is how I'm able to grow a team now so that when I do have an idea, I now have a full team to kind of delegate different things to do. Um, so I would say that ambition and also um, that other, <laughs> I just blanked out. HR piece too. Yeah, the <laughs> communication style, yes, so would be my two things. Gotcha. No, those are both super important. And I think the, the ambition is a big one because you really have to, in this kind of space, like you said, it's a very new space. So you have to kind of have the commitment to push through with some of it if you really want to get into a job like this because it's not there's not an established way to get there a lot of times which TSMU is trying to help with a little bit, um, but having the the determination to keep pushing through and try new things and go through those cold contacts that might not go so well to get to the ones that will um, that kind of stuff is super important I think so definitely makes sense why it helps you out. Uh, next question, let me get the right one here, I believe, is also from Maggie, who said, what were some challenges you faced with when you first started Giant Slayer TFT? So pretty open here. Any challenges you faced initially? Well, the biggest challenge was that there was no competitive format for TFT. Um, <laughs> like the point system, there's no definitive, the amount of players, the amount of games, none of that was set in stone. And so there was definitely a lot of research, a lot of experimentation. Um, and I, I think that was a definitely a challenge and there was definitely pressure just because of the fact that for example, TFT is a game where the more games you have, technically the better because there is some RNG element to it. So if you have a hundred game sample size, you're really able to see who's doing the best, right? Um, however, with that said, you can't do a tournament and be like, play a hundred games, right? <laughs> uh, so there's like a balance to be found. And I think like we've narrowed it down now that four to six games is really that balance, healthy balance where 
people don't get too exhausted from a tournament, but there's at least enough sample size to prove some type of worth. Which there's still arguments on that to some degree, where it's just like uh, I'm willing to play eight games, and then another player just like no, 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 <laughs> like wow. I can't, I can't do eight games in a day, like please. Um, so my biggest challenge was definitely the fact that it was brand new for a Giant Slayer TFT. There was not a lot for me to be able to research on. Uh, I did have to take more non-traditional ways to get my knowledge in order to make it happen. Gotcha. I mean, yeah, it makes sense when you're building something from the ground up with no real way to do it that's been set yet it's definitely gonna be a challenge so and i haven't thought about the the playing as many games thing i'm not a huge tft player but it, i have played some and that makes a lot of sense so yeah, there must be a tough balance to try and get that feeling of you got enough games in without also not taking the whole night to play the tournament essentially or the whole week to get through all the games that's a good point uh okay next question is from caitlin who said, what do you think is the importance of a personal brand slash social media following within your career? You touched on a little bit. Uh, is it more distinctly important compared to careers in other industries? So do you think that social media and a personal brand are extra important in this industry? 100%, I would say. Uh, with HR, if I talk to my old team in HR, people would tell me, what do you do with Instagram? What's TikTok, right? <laughs> <laughs> like those are question marks that they do not require to have. And if you have them, if anything, it might be a little judgmental because it's still a very <laughs> traditional workplace, right? Uh, versus in esports, if you don't have a Twitter or stream or anything at all, and you're a player or a streamer that's wanting to be like, feature me, <laughs> where's your social media <laughs> um granted if you're not trying to go for that like player streamer route then uh, it's probably a little bit less but it still is such a big thing because obviously all of us on the team like we do have social media so that we can follow these players and do those type of research and also so that we can kind of be up to date on the newses from like teams like tsm or like any other teams out there usually they are very active on twitter or any other social medias and short, again, like article, you could get some like a very standout information, but it's really going to be like social media where you can get like that instantaneously information of a new event or whatnot. That's where you can get the most. And also by having a following or social network, there's going to be more eyes on you. Let's just say I was a partner uh, streamer and Twitter person and had like 20K followers. People are going to recognize that and be like, okay, it seems like her insight and knowledge is something that is respected enough that there's a lot of following. And depending on your role, a lot of people might want that. If you built a good reputation for yourself, then regardless, even if this job, I'm not technically an influencer, but by having a large backing, it's going to be able, I hate using this word, but clout to some degree of like being able to bring more attention to events because I can share the next tournament I'm creating and be able to bring some followers to that. And so having at least some social media so that people can get news is important. And also network is going to be another big one. Yeah, I completely agree, especially places like Twitter. And even like you said earlier, just familiarity with stuff like Twitch and YouTube and knowing how that piece goes in, even if you aren't creating content there, is so important in the gaming side. So I, I completely agree. I know you mentioned that social media was also really important for you to kind of get in initially. Do you feel like it was more important coming up to where you are now than it is in terms of getting into the industry? Like, do you use it less now relative to when you were starting to break into the scene? Um, hmm, that's a great question. I would say that 
if anything, I became a lot more efficient in using my social media mm, before yeah. when I first started streaming, I was like, I, don't, I can't think of creative content. I'm just going to post when I'm live and that doesn't really do much. <laughs> uh, however, when I did start sharing my thoughts, etc., and I, I, I'm definitely not a large uh, streamer influencer by any means. I have a very small following, but even that was able to get me enough network so that people notice my work. And I think that's the important part that I wasn't using social media to just simply share like, the random days like sure some tweets might be like that like oh i woke up this morning right but there's definitely work related <laughs> items and also gaming related items that made this account a little bit more credible um so i do think that versus now is more of growing it in the and networking in the past it was really just making sure that i at least build something so that mm -hmm. it could take notice and network with someone because outside of that in esports, how else are you really going to network with others? Yep. You can be in Discord servers, but I would say like when uh, George one two five eight uh, Teddy Bear like messages me, it's kind of like, "Who are you?" Like I I want to see some information about like who you are, and yep. social media is what provides that. That oh okay, you are the senior manager of Wisdom Gaming, and this is what you do. I look at her tweets, I see TFT, I see like this is her like items that she's working on. That's how people would be like, okay, she seems more credible than uh, me just randomly messaging them on a different outlet or through their stream chat, right? So, right. yeah. Yeah, I think what's cool too is that once you've kind of built up, so you did a lot of building in the past and I'm sure you still do some, but you kind of, it, it's a long-term payoff too when you've gotten to the point now where you're still using that that follower base that you built for your new things you're working on. And you kind of have that rolling history of stuff you've done documented now on social media. So uh, in a way, it's sort of like a portfolio too, which I think is super helpful for yourself as a career person. <laughs> uh, next question is, I think it's this one. Wisdom Gaming recently announced a partnership with Mall of America. What does that mean for your role in events and initiatives that you work on? So you want to talk about this one a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So for the Mall of America, we will be opening a studio shortly in early uh, 2022. I am super stoked about that since the last few years with COVID. And Greta, we will still be very careful about uh, COVID. Uh, however, just being able to be in a live setting and start working on these events and for broadcasts with talents and potentially having the audience come is such a great experience. So my role for that is just, of course, making sure all of this goes smoothly and that integration of all these elements. And I'm sure that if you guys do end up coming over to Minnesota and going to the Mall of America, I'll probably be there as well. And I think it's just been so long since, at least personally for me, I've seen like this kind of live event happen in America. The last time I went to one was actually years ago for League of Legends in Madison Square Garden. And hey, me too. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Same one. <laughs> that was actually my first and only one that I've been to in a very long time. So Same here, yep. <laughs> I, I miss that feeling. So now being able to work on that is super great. Um, drinks, food, and obviously the location itself is super great. I mean, it's literally in the biggest mall in all of America. There's roller coasters that... To be honest, before I moved here, I saw Minnesota. I was just like, what's in Minnesota? Like, uh, I come from <laughs> New York, so I'm just like, New York has everything in the city. Like, what's Minnesota like? 
But then I went to the Mall of America, and it is a gorgeous venue. Um, it's a huge location. It's definitely very fun. And so the idea, I'm actually very stoked to see players, talents, or fans fly over and being able to be in that setting. And if they ever, you know, get a little tired and whatnot, there is a hotel very close by. There's also anywhere you can walk to for you to kind of enjoy. So I think with the Mall of America, my role will definitely making sure that being just a lot more new opportunities for us, uh, for all our brands, because it's not just TFT that I do. Um, there's Rocket League, there's Runeterra, there's Heroes of the Storm, and multiple other games that we work with. And so just making sure that all these games and new brands that we work with will be able to all get to go to the Mall of America with us and we can make some really cool broadcasts happen. Yeah, that's awesome. Congrats on that partnership. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I miss the in-person event so much. So uh, really excited to see those come back and especially to the Mall of America. I know it's gonna be really fun to run those for sure. Uh, next question is, what does your day-to-day -day look like in your role? I love this question because you never know, like you hear these these roles, even my role, and you never know what people actually do a lot of the time. <laughs> so what does it look like for you? My day-to-day, -day, it's going to change a bit now that I'm transitioning to this new role, but for the time being, it is still very heavily TFT. So lots of meetings, I would say, talking to a lot of different department heads about my new role and how all these other brands will look like. Um, client meetings, for sure, to talk about how we can best create a broadcast event or promote their game. And then I would say when I do have time outside of meetings for like that like schedule, it's sitting down and writing either handbooks, formulating a new proposal of uh, what we can potentially do for a new client, and just a lot more of that kind of like details there. And honestly, I would find I find both of those things a lot of fun. Meetings is always great talking to people and sharing kind of our like ambition. And every single meeting, there's always one person making really nerdy jokes too. So <laughs> there's always some kind of charm in these elements. And then even after these hours of like talking. Being able to sit down and brainstorm is honestly my favorite part as an introvert. I get to just kind of brainstorm and I'm not the most creative, but finding logistics and knowing what would make a community happy is a really great feeling. And then building that and then eventually being able to announce it and seeing the results is nerve wracking, but that payout is something that I can't really get enough of. So my day to day meetings and then uh, planning whatever format or broadcast that we're doing. And it's just like a rinse and repeat over and over again. Um, so yeah, but I would say with the new role here, it's gonna shift slightly away from TFT, but more so just, okay, I, I've, I've done a lot of tournament planning. Now let me jump in now to the different departments and see how we can even further improve our brand. So we're not just doing the same thing over and over again. We're adding a new element to everything. Gotcha. No, that's super cool. I think so. Some of it's similar to my role too with community management, but the fact that you got to plan all these events and then announce them and then roll them out to people, it's been super, like you said, nerve wracking, but also really exciting once you're actually done with all the planning and can share all the good news. I'm sure that's really satisfying to work on uh, week or month after month, really. Awesome. Uh, next question is, have you ever experienced burnout? And then any tips for avoiding burnout or dealing with it once you start to feel it? So thoughts on burnout? Burned out in esports is unfortunately a very, very common thing. Um, so yes, I definitely experienced it. I would say there has been definitely events where 
I work very long hours for, or like it's before you know it, like weeks and weeks and weeks like go by of long hours. Um, one thing that I do have to say that is my company is very gener generous that they do provide like time off to make sure that you have time to recoup from it. So it's like, if I do have a really stressful project and worked a lot of overtime for it, the minute that project's over, they're like, take the week off or something like that, right? It's just like a great job. And also even then they'll check in on me too, to just be like, how are you doing? Listen to the fact that I am burnt out and seeing like where they can help or just at least just letting me rant. So for me, what I did is obviously taking the days off when I can, but if you're someone who is unable to do that for any reason, um, I would say finding a hobby is, <laughs> I know it's a very tough one. It sounds easier than said, um, but just finding something that you're able to just relax to in your off hours is so, so important. And setting boundaries to some degree. A big reason why I got burnt out uh, is because of the fact that I kept my DMs open 24 seven. So those 3 a.m. player questions, I see it, I'm like, oh, I must now go and talk about format with them, right? Versus now I'm like, you know what? If it's between 2 a.m. to 8 a.m., do not disturb mode is on. <laughs> no more work message, <laughs> no more seeing that. Granted, there are some like very short turnaround projects. I still keep those on. But for the most part, if it's not supposed to be something super stressful and short turnaround, I set those like time now where I can get my sleep and not, or maybe not even sleep. Everyone's a degenerate in, in this gaming industry, but at least I can play my games <laughs> without <laughs> having to worry about a work question. So set your boundaries find a nice hobby, be a game or outside of gaming, that could also be really helpful. And take your days off if you get them, is yes. the other one that I heard. Because that can be a hard thing too. If, even if you get the days off, sometimes it's like you need to keep working on something and making yourself step away, at least from people I've talked to. So um, if you're in a place where you get options like you're at with really good time off, make sure you use those and don't just let those sit there not getting used. That's a the advice I give to all my colleagues or any yeah. people working under me, I'm just like, do you take off your flex days? And they're like, oh, well, I want to work or like, I still have this project. I'm just like, can I wait till this day? And they're like, well, yeah, but I'm like, all right, you're taking off then. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and they tell me they're not even burnt out yet, but just because I went through the same shoes of really yeah. being so ambitious about, uh, ambitious about it, it's like, just take off when you can. I'll catch up to you eventually. Yeah, it really does. And you have to learn that sometimes, but definitely agree with that from my side too. Uh, next question is, how do you stay organized? What organizational programs, processes, or tools do you use and any advice on how to use them? So how do you, how do you keep track of all these tournaments that you're running and all, everything else that you're doing? So for me, um, there's definitely like programs and tools that the company use. One thing we do use is Asana. So that's how we keep track of all our projects and all that. For me, if it's outside of um, company programs, I do have a lot of notes that I take that is ordered by dates or maybe a certain event. And so basically that for me is the most crucial part. And at the end of the day or the start of the day, what I do is make a mini to-do list. So if I still have to send out a contract, I have to make sure I reply to this player. I kind of just compile that list for me or I set like deadlines and I just kind of look back on it every once in a while and just be like, all right, I still have to do this, do this, do this. And anything that I can't do within that day, I just add it on. So organization is definitely a very unique thing for everyone. It's 
sounds easy, but it could be very tough to do. Um, I say whatever works for you, use whatever program you see. My notepads are honestly sometimes all over the place, but there's a weird method that works for me with these random dates versus someone else might look at it and be like, what are these notes? Like they're all <laughs> over the place. Like when I know Tega for me, I have keywords during a meeting. So I don't write out like the full sentence of X thing is happening X here and X that. It's just like, I don't know, like tournament five. <laughs> and then like, it's just like very short notes. Yep. And so that is just kind of keywords for me to kind of remember. And then at the end, I might just be like contract to do instead of like, doing full things during a meeting that I, right. or maybe that is what is needed for some people but at least that's how i keep track of it yeah i'm kind of the same way and i've gone back and forth on a bunch of different apps and i think i just use sticky notes now kind of the same thing as you just taking short bullet points of meetings and things like that so like you said whatever works for you and trying and uh trial and error basically until you get something that works for you okay last question i believe is from caitlin it's, this is a great last question, by the way, who said, what are you proudest of working on thus far? So again, big open question, but what comes to mind when you hear that? Hmm. I know I already talked about a set to finale. So I'll talk about a project related to that. Um, the promotion video I made with all the players. Um, <laughs> it sounds very silly because I have zero video editing skills. Um, but like I mentioned, that was a very early stages of the company. And so just DMing all the players, getting them to send me a video. And set two at the time, a lot of players have a strong feeling. So the videos they created for me were pretty hilarious. Um, I just remember like having all these assets that I didn't know really what to do with and just throwing it all together in a random video editing program and creating something and ended up getting a decent reception from it. I would say I'm most proud of that because that was a project that had a very, very small team. Um, but it was not something that I could have done alone. It was the whole community coming together and everyone just showing their passion and creativity to make something happen. I mean, like I mentioned, the price was only like a thousand, two thousand. Compared to now, people were complaining about twenty something thousand dollar price pool, right? <laughs> <laughs> like uh, the difference between this is large, and I I would like to honestly thank the full community and uh, my coworkers at the time and current ones for for making that project happen and allowing me to be so selfish about that ambition of making them work with me on a random project and idea that I had. Yeah, but it goes back to the ambition that you mentioned earlier. So without having that, you wouldn't have been able to do that and then look back on it as one of the proudest things that you'd done. So uh, it's a great story. And like you said, it's, it's learning stuff on the fly too uh, with the video editing and embracing that kind of thing. So. I can imagine it's very rewarding to look back on even today at the video and see just people that you worked with in the past too. Awesome. Cool. I think that is going to wrap it up for right now. Uh, so guys, thanks everyone who's here watching and attending. I appreciate everyone listening as well. Uh, thank you, of course, to Rissa for being on. Uh, anything you want to say last minute here for people watching uh, about your work or just about esports in general? Yeah, for sure. Definitely check out the company Wisdom Gaming. If you are, we're hiring a lot of people uh, in uh, this year and also next year. So I say that no matter what experience level you are, take a look at it. You might find something. We do have positions for many different people. 
definitely follow Giant Slayer TFT and any other games that we look at. I'm going to be a little biased on, on that brand, but <laughs> there are a lot of other brands. And if you do want to uh, message me anytime, my Twitter DMs are open. Um, it's Risica, but no, <laughs> no worries on that one. I don't post very interesting stuff besides just work-related, uh, just as a heads up, but reach out to me anytime and also to our company. So yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. And I mean, you talked about how important social media is the whole time. So make sure you guys go follow her as well on all those places. Uh, also, guys, so the next the next episode will be next week. Uh, be sure to follow the channel so you get updates on when that is and who is going to be on the show next week. And also, don't forget to jump in the Discord if you're not already, which is discord.gg slash TSMU. If you want to ask more questions for upcoming guests, get updates on game nights and other interviews, things like that. Make sure to jump in there, too. I think that's going to do it for all of us today. So thank you again to Rissa and everyone watching, and we will see you all next week. Thank you.